Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Journalism.co.uk podcast. My name is Marcela Kunova and I'm the latest addition to the Journalism.co.uk editorial team here in Brighton. For my first ever podcast, I got up with a US-based stringer, Olia Fedden, whose life couldn't be further away from mine. Not only does she live in New York, she rides a scooter up and down the city to film accidents, fires and shootings. Stay tuned. Hi everyone, Catalina here. Just a quick note to let you know our next News Rewired Digital Journalism Conference will take place on the 11th of July at Reuters in London. We are building a fantastic lineup of speakers for our 22nd conference and as usual we're aiming to provide you with all the practical skills and ideas you need to take home and explore in your own organisations. You can grab your ticket online at newsrewired.com, where you'll also get the chance to sign up for our News Rewired Plus deal, which includes an extra day of training the day before the conference as part of your ticket. Bye for now. Ukraine-born Olya Fedin, who's 32, is better known under her nickname Scootercaster. Before working as a stringer, she worked as a DJ and later as a photographer for boxing matches. I've been a stringer in New York for a year and a half, professionally for about a year, but I've been doing photography and videography since I was, damn, um, 14. I was born in Ukraine and grew up in London, Oxford first, then London, then I moved to LA, and then I moved to New York. Well, I started doing photography in general back when it was just film cameras, more for fun. I filmed something, it was a fire on the train station on a 123 train on 28th Street, if I'm not mistaken. And I posted it on Instagram and I had like non-stop comments from all networks contacting me about using the video. And I was like, damn, that didn't seem like such a big deal and it seems like it's important to people. So that kind of like inspired me. So I started learning a little more on how to do that, how it works, got one of those scanner radios so I could hear what actually is going on and started filming more and more when my first video got a lot of interest. What was the first video that got a lot of interest, but the very first one I did as a stringer was a protest. It was for Earth, um, like ecological, I can't remember the name of it, by City Hall. That was the very first one I did, but that didn't sell. Working as a stringer takes more than trolling the streets of New York in the hope of discovering something newsworthy. Uh, there's multiple ways that I can get information for events like fires and, and NYPD things and, you know, like emergency events. I use scanner radio. It's kind of like a police radio, but without being able to transmit out. So I'm able to go into different frequencies and hear different precincts and you learn the code and then you're able to recognize what they're talking about and be able to get there at the same time or sometimes before police gets there. I was part of one team before, now I'm part of another team, and we kind of just all learn from each other. Right now, the team is me and my fiancé. I used to be a part of bigger teams, but now we're just kind of doing it as a small thing, family style, and that's basically how it goes. So we'd be going about our day, and then we most of the time try to have the scanner radio running so we can hear what's happening. Once we hear something going on, we listen to see if it's confirmed or whether it's a big event. And if it's a big event, we jump on the scooters and get over there and start filming. I mostly film major events, 
fires, shootings, anything that's, you know, major things that you would see on the news. But I also film some local stuff for local stations. And sometimes I film celebrity events, like, um, or celebrity tragedies, like the Kiss Spade's death. So it's really a mix of everything. Whenever I hear something going on, I usually go out and film. Everyone who saw Dan Gilroy's film Nightcrawler, or Netflix crime saga Shot in the Dark, must be itching by now. Can you imagine riding a scooter at night, getting caught in a car accident or a shooting? I mean, how dangerous can this job be? It could be, but I try to stay out of the way. I try to, mostly I try to make sure I stay out of the way of um, official workers, you know, in YPD or FDNY, because I don't like watching when photographers get in the way or get in the way of them doing their job. So I think me staying out of their way also keeps me out of danger as much. You know, I do get nervous when I go to shootings, because you can't really protect yourself from where the gun goes that I haven't had anything serious, or like close to serious happen. Um, the very first time I was videoing um, a body being removed from the train station, I didn't know I would have such a strong reaction, but my hands were shaking. I wasn't able to get a video properly. Because it was like, I didn't realize it would put me in shock because I feel like I'm, you know, behind the camera. But it was definitely very strong. And um, the second one, it was um, also somebody jumped off the building. And the reason that one is memorable because it happened so sudden. I was walking down the street and all of a sudden all these NYPD cars and FDNY cars are pulling up and everybody's jumping out and rushing to the roof. It, it felt like a movie, like everything just started happening around me. And then the third memorable event was the Kate Spade. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that many paparazzis. They were all just standing there as if she was actually going to walk out and go on a red carpet. It's kind of amazing how the name stays as important and as popular, whether the person is alive or passed away. The most worrisome things I've had is if somebody is barricaded with a gun, but nothing ever happened. Um, also, when it's a fire, I do get a worry sometimes if I'm shooting too close that something will fall off onto my head. Something fell right next to me once, like a um, burned out piece, but it wasn't onto my head, thank God. And um, also just smoke inhalation. You usually have to cough for a day or two afterwards. So now I'm investing into some masks and protective gear. I know some stringers wear bulletproof vests as well, which is probably a good idea. I think the most dangerous part for me is actually getting to the incidents because you know you first you hear a fire truck usually pass by then you listen to the radio and then all that adrenaline rush of trying to get there on time you know and you go on the road and I try to be careful but sometimes my scooter gets away from me so yeah that's probably where it's the most dangerous is getting there and trying to make sure not to crash into a wall my worry sometimes is that people disapprove of it you know because we are there at the worst time of people's lives when the tragedy happens but at the same time, if nobody films, there's going to be no news. So somebody has got to do that job. So my worry is always like, you know, people get, they don't want to be filmed, of course. So when it's a tragedy or somebody, if it's a suicide and stuff, I always avoid filming faces. You know, I try to film from the back or just like an overall scene, but people don't know that. So they thing I'm trying to get into their face and get personal, which I'm really not trying to do. 
So I think kind of like there's um, some journalists get a bad name, you know, so people kind of expect the worst. But I think throughout time I'm kind of building up my reputation and people get to know me and they know that I'm not going to overstep certain boundaries. But it's still a little nerve-wracking, you know. You have to be there when people are so distressed, distraught, and you have to be there in front of them, and I'm sure it annoys them. But some people find it helpful as well, you know. I had, um, I was, when I was moving apartments from my other place, um, I saw an incident, there was a FedEx delivery guy. He was delivering something to um, laser, like laser surgery company, and then the front window crashed onto his arm, and it was bleeding profusely. And I filmed that just in case. And then I had that video purchased through an app, but I didn't see it posted anywhere. So my assumption is that it was for lawyers for a lawsuit maybe, because I've heard of that happening. So you know, sometimes those videos can be great as proof of an incident happening. But sometimes people do get angry and hostile, and we are not talking only about the general public. The police officers can get pretty annoyed too. When I'm in a way and they want to put a new line for crime tape and they just ask me to move and, you know, always apologize and move. But I've had incidences where a police officer, he just kept telling me to move wherever I was standing. I was like, just tell me where you want me to stand. He's like, over there. And then I go over there. He's like, I told you to move. You know, it was just obviously on purpose. But that's very few and in between. Living to the sound of police sirens and rushing to a crime scene take its toll on mental well-being. Apart from spending time with her puppy, here is how she fights stress. I think just kind of living my life, just not take, trying not to take it too seriously. I used to do boxing, which was very great for stress relief. And then just, you know, enjoy nature, trying to enjoy things as they go. But also, you know, there are stressful situations, but then there is always a rewarding part. Like, it's nice to see that people actually appreciated me doing the footage. They appreciated me going out there. So I think that makes everything worth it and makes it not as stressful. So when I go out to an event and if there is one person that wasn't happy with something, I know that there is way more people that are actually appreciative of me doing this work and sharing the information, the facts of what happens. Feeling inspired, Olia shares her best tips on how to become stronger yourself from skills to equipment you'll need. Well, nowadays it really depends what city or state the person is in. If they're in New York, they could really, because there's so many incidents happening in New York, you could become a stringer just by filming your own neighborhood because something is constantly happening. So you don't really need even any mode of transportation. As far as cameras, a lot of TVs are now streaming cell phone footage as well. So there is actually quite a few stringers that only use their iPhones or Androids. But um, I personally have a scooter to get around because it helps me get to places faster. And um, I use camera, I have two cameras. One is 100D and then one is um, 5D, Canon. And I have that awesome lens. It's like kind of basic in a way. It's 18 to 135, so it gives me a nice range where I'm able to shoot clothes or shoot something from far away if I can't get closer to the incident. And it's been very helpful. I feel like I don't need anything more than that. I would like to get another video camera because I use this one for photos and videos. But yeah, oh, and the other thing is very helpful is to have the scanner radio so you can actually hear what's happening. 
And, you know, with time, it's better to have a few of them. Because if something is happening between the precincts, you want to be able to hear all of them at once instead of having to switch from one frequency to another. Or to have FDNY and NYPD at the same time as well, because they're two separate radio frequencies as well. It goes anywhere from 100 to 350 per sale for local. So let's say if you send uh, sell to seven stations or 10 stations, you get 350 multiplied by 10. And then if you go na national, you can sell more. And then for smaller shots like B-rolls or just smaller incidents, about 100 and 150 per purchase as well. And then you also have the international market, smaller newspapers, etc., etc. So it really could go up to anywhere from making rent, you know, to making rent for a year in one day, yeah. Depends on the luck. It depends on the luck of like who get, gets the first, who witnesses um, the better shot, and then also who sends it out first, who has a better relationship sometimes with the broadcast media, who gets there faster, who has a better footage, etc. Because there is a lot of stringers in New York. There's about 10 important ones, and then the rest kind of come in and out of the scene. But 10 is a lot for the city because we often end up at the same incidents. The best way to develop relationship with media is to be sending them the best footage just by proving myself, showing that I am something that they need to pay attention to and get the footage from, you know. Also just being polite, being respectful and understanding of what they have to go through to be able to respond in time, etc. I think it's kind of like any business relationship, you know, you have to be polite, you have to be smart about it, and you also have to have a good product. Well, the plan right now, we just started the Scootercaster company, team. So the plan is to kind of keep going with it. And we started getting more requests on private assignments, specifically like exclusive assignments for us to go out and film. So eventually we'll add more team members and to just kind of keep going, keep learning new things, new ways, get more equipment, <laughs> film bigger events. We're at the point of writing out a business plan and putting it all together, getting logos, getting stickers, etc., etc. the fun stuff. Thank you to Olia Fedin, alias Scootercaster, for speaking with me for this podcast. Follow her work on Facebook and Instagram at Scootercaster. Now, if you didn't manage to catch up with all of the journalism news from journalism.co.uk last week, fear not. Here's Caroline to give you the roundup of what you missed. Hi, I'm Caroline Scott with your weekly journalism news update. The digital news report from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism has found the number of people getting their news from social media begin to fall for the first time in seven years. At the same time, we've seen a rise in the use of alternative platforms such as WhatsApp, Instagram and Snapchat. BBC News Labs and The Telegraph are experimenting with Google AMP stories over the World Cup. They hope the visual storytelling feature will bring football fans a more engaging mobile experience. The Bureau of Investigative Journalism has launched a theatre tour to bring reporting about domestic violence to wider audiences. The performances will discuss findings of a large collaborative investigation on refuge cuts and the impact of domestic violence on various different areas around the UK. In this week's podcast, we took you to Galway, where we gathered the hottest tips, advice and industry updates from the ever-growing community of smartphone content creators. 
Glenn Mulcahy, who's the founder of Mojo Fest, told me he's seen journalists migrate from seeing smartphones as yet another video camera to leveraging mobile technology as a platform for new forms of social storytelling, and in some cases, a complete end-to-end -end publishing solution in its own right. Is 2018 going to be the year of VR? Well, immersive storytellers at the festival weren't so sure, but they did say new technology, which is more newsroom friendly and cost savvy, is on the rise, meaning there'll be more of an opportunity for you to produce VR and AR content at your organisation. And finally, six New York universities have partnered up to create a new journalism course to defend independent news media. Students will take modules in journalism as well as engineering and computational methods to better prepare them for facing new technology threats. That's all from us. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. You can catch more of our podcasts on journalism.co.uk.